Hey everybody, welcome to Live Lounge. We're so glad that you are joining us today from wherever you're watching around the world or in Kelowna. We are blessed that you have decided to join us. We've got a great time ahead. We have worship. We have a, a wonderful interview a little later on. And Pastor Joel is going to be sharing with us as well. So I'm going to pass straight over to the worship team. And we pray that you'll have a wonderful time in the presence of God. God bless. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I made I was breathing but not I tried to hide It was my tomb Till I made You called my name
Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining our live lounge today. And here is your family news. Pursuit is live on Instagram every Sunday night at 7 p.m. This week, Chris Baxter will be interviewing John Newfeld from Starfield, and worship will be the hot topic. Follow at Pursuit Family on Instagram so you can be notified when we go live. You may be interested in checking out our new online course, Contemplating Our Way Through COVID-19. In this course, we'll learn about Christian meditation and the power of scriptures and the difference it can make in your life as you try to overcome difficult circumstances. Visit our website to sign up. We know that during this time, it's still important to stay connected as a church family. That's why each of our campuses offer online groups throughout the week, including Bible study, prayer, coffee hangouts, quiz nights, and more. Be sure to visit our website for all of the details on how to join in. Alpha is an opportunity to explore life, faith, and God with others. We are running two online Alpha courses this month. The first is for senior high youth and young adults, and it's happening Sunday nights at 5 p.m. starting this Sunday, May 17th. The other Alpha course is for adults, and it's happening Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. starting this week, May 19th. Pastor Jeremy is coordinating all of our Alpha courses, and he's also looking for people who would like to volunteer to host. Please contact him if you're interested in that. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Thank you so much, Courtney. Great to see everything happening at Willow Park and and ways that we can get involved, even though we are social distancing. Our next guest is coming to us from India, a fantastic couple that founded Fazal Socks that does such great work in India. Um, But they are on a special place that we can't actually say their names or kind of say what they're doing, but we're going to let them describe what they do. And it's such a great opportunity to listen to them hear their story, hear what's happening in their lives, and how we can support them. So here you go. Hello, Willow Park. We are on our seventh take right now, because I simply cannot get through the introduction. We are coming to you from the Himalayas. That's true. We serve alongside two children's homes that Child of Mine supports, which is very exciting. We have some stories that we'd love to share with you. Um, just as an aside, alongside working along the orphanages, we also run Fazzle Socks, which was started about four, almost four years ago. I was supposed to say that part. Yeah, you were. That's all good. We just keep on going. We just keep, keep going. We just keep on trucking. Okay. So I wanted to share with you two things that the father is doing here that's so amazing. So Aunt, one of the founders of one of the orphanages, she's also our business partner. And we have the Fazzle Socks office in a center, a community center that she's been running for a couple decades. In that center, there's training for women to learn how to sew. They can learn how to use computers, and they can get woolen puzzle socks, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So this has been going on. Recently, I was back in Kelowna. Mike was also back in Kelowna. Some of you might have seen me. I had, like, sprained both my ankles. <laughs> anyway, when we came back to India, we got some bad news that essentially a lot of the villagers around the Fazal Sock Center, we're telling um, the founder of one of the orphanages and some of the other leadership, like, we want you guys to leave. And they were making up all these obscure reasons. It was very frustrating. And especially because Auntie has literally gone through that village and picked up garbage 
And then they're treating her just, uh, they were just treating her mm. in the most disrespectful and unbelievable way, considering all she's done for them. And so as these conversations are going on, the negotiations, um, we find out that the real reason, like, because they're getting really obscure reasons um, that they had a guest like 15 years ago who um, peed on a sacred rock that doesn't, it's just a boulder. Anyway, so they're saying all this stuff. Anyway, the story goes on. And eventually it comes to light that the villagers want Fazl to leave because their god, their local god, has said, we want this, I want this building back. So that was a bit of a trying time. It was really frustrating. And, you know, I think, though, this is just part of serving in parts of the world where you're an incredible minority and you just, you face persecution. This is part of, this is part of the deal. Um... We so here's the thing we have found a new location, it's three garages, which we're gonna make really awesome. It's possible, it, it will be possible, but it's gonna the with Lord, some creativity. Yeah, the father will use it for our event, we believe. But here's the thing that's crazy so, Auntie, founder of the orphanage, she a month into co- the lockdown, so our lockdown here is really extreme. But about a month into lockdown, that village that kicked us out comes to their mayor, comes to Auntie, and says, Hey. We need some help. Uh, what do you think? And Amazing. Auntie, being a living saint, goes, yes, I'm going to give to you. So Auntie tells us that she's taking not one, not two, not three, but four months of rent that Fazl paid her and donating it to these guys who kicked us out. Now, <laughs> I clearly have a long way to go on the holiness spectrum, but this is really, I wanted to share this, we want to share this story because this is really us learning about loving your enemies i mean it it's really touching to us that auntie would do that especially after how they treated her especially how they've treated us um you know it had gotten to the point where some one of our managers didn't feel safe walking to work um you know it so anyway all that to say is it's such an incredible uh story of what the kingdom looks like and what the father's love embodied looks like when we really obey the word Mm-hmm. And when we are learning so much from our leaders here, why don't you explain a little bit how the lockdown worked here before I get into the story? Yeah, the lockdown was pretty short notice. It was like literally, I think it came into effect at midnight and it was announced at 8 p.m. So we had like a four hour notice and it was just total and complete lockdown. Another person, another group of people, I should say, we're learning from are the children at mm-hmm. the orphanages. They're doing amazing work at both of them. But I just want to share this. Like When the lockdown was announced, if you were visiting your aunt or your grandpa in another city, you were just stuck there. Yeah. And so some of our college kids as well have been stuck in different cities and aren't able to come home, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so all that to say is, so some of the chill, so when people are locked down so tightly and so quickly, we have a lot of people in India called daily wagers. And daily wagers literally make enough to live day to day. And so you can imagine you know, with tens of millions of people in India who live way below poverty line, this um, pandemic has devastating consequences. So in our community, people are trying to feed um, some of these people and provide for them what we call a ration. So some of the, so some of us were like, okay, we're going to give and support. This is awesome. And the children at the orphanage and the staff said, we're going to give too. And here's the thing, when they're not forced to, it was just like, this is what's happening. Do you want to donate? Some of the small, some of the children gave everything they had in their savings. And for some of them, that was 80 cents. Mm. You know, they gave 
everything they had um, to support people who are really suffering right now. And I just, I was so touched. We were so touched and overwhelmed by that. Um, just their love, you know, and the director of the orphanage just said, you know, the children teach us. And it's, it's really true. Mm. And, you know, we know who the kingdom belongs to in these things. Yeah, we just wanted to thank you so, so much, too, for all your support. Thank you! Um, you've been behind us so much, and it means, honestly, the world to us. It's such mm-hmm. a privilege for us to have um, Willow Park as, you know, a, an incredible partner of ours. So thank you very, very much for the opportunity to come and share some stories and requests as well. Yeah, we love and thank, or, we love you guys. We're so thankful. Um, we've been watching... Um, the live lounges and we just feel so honored to be a part of the same family. So sending our love from India to you all. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for sharing and, and, and letting us into having a picture of what's going on in, in India. We are so grateful for that opportunity. You know, they, they shared a few things that they wanted us to pray for. They wanted us to pray for protection. They wanted us to pray for the families that have been separated because of the, such a quick close down. And, uh, and they, they want us to pray that, that we, they'll have provision for themselves, for their ministry. So let's stop and let's take a few moments to pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for, for this couple and, and all that they're doing in India. Such an awesome opportunity to be able to partner with them and to, and to pray for them and to the needs that they have. God, we ask that you be with the people that are, that are separated from family and friends right now because of the quick cl- close down. We just ask that you would... You would minister to them, give your peace, give your guidance, give your love in that situation. For their business, as they, as they expand Fazzle Socks, we just ask that, that your provision would be there for that. And I pray that you would show us ways that we could partner as people, as believers, as people that want to see a great mission done. We would be able to partner with them in prayer and in finances. God, we thank you for them. Bless them in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have worship now, and let's get ready to sing, and later on we're going to do communion.
To encounter you 
church family. Uh, Pastor Jeremy, I'd invite you to go grab uh, your juice and your bread as we're going to partake in communion here. While you do that, I just want to share a thought about what we're about to do. 
Um, this week we were chatting with our kids about, you know, what ways do, um, do you feel loved by mom and dad? What are the things that we do that, you know, show us that we really care about you? And some of them said play baseball, being tickled, cuddled, movie nights, having water balloons thrown at them. So they range from many different things. But there's these acts that we do that they feel loved. That reminds them that mom and dad love them. We say it a lot and they know it and they hear it. But there's something that has happened that they can feel it's tangible, that recognizes and thin them that they're loved and cared for. And so as we partake in communion, It's one of those things that reminds me, man, God, Jesus, he loves me. It's one of those acts that we do that remind me of his deep love for not just me, myself, but for my family and for this whole world. That what he came to do was a great act of love. And so when we feel down, we just keep saying to ourselves, God, I know you love me. Communion is one of those things that we do to help us recognize that love for us from our Heavenly Father. And so I just want to take a moment and let's just think about the emblems. Let's think about the, the juice and the cracker that we're going to eat and what it represents and what it, He did on the cross for us. And let His love just pour upon you in this moment. First Corinthians eleven twenty three says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of his body together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us, love for your children. Lord, when we come to communion, it's that reminder, that tangible reminder as we eat of the bread and as we drink of the juice of what you did on Calvary for us, what you did on Calvary for this world. Lord, you love us so much. You care for us so much. You paid the highest price for us, Jesus, the highest price. When I do this, I recognize how deeply I am loved by you. How deeply I'm cared for by you. I recognize what this means to me. And so, Father, we thank you for your deep, 
deep love for your children. You call us sons and daughters. So we thank you for the cross. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Chris and the team, for leading us in that beautiful time of worship. As part of our worship as Christians, we give uh, back to the church that which God has given to us. And even though it's such a difficult time, we're really, really grateful and blessed by the way so many of you continuing to give to the work of Willow Park Church because this makes all this pop, uh, possible. And, uh, and we're just really grateful for that, for the sacrifice you continue to make. And so at the bottom of the screen, there's, a, there's some instructions as to how you can give right now. And you can also do the regular auto debit each month as well. And we're just really believing that God is going to use all the ministry at Willow Park Church for really great things in the time to come. So I'm going to pray because we do recognize that there are uh, many people in our church family who are struggling and, and especially at this time when the finances are uh, a little uncertain. So why don't you join with me and we'll thank God for his many provisions and we'll also pray for our needs. Father, I thank you that your word says that you give us the ability and the power to actually make money and that everything that we have is ultimately yours. And so, Lord, we're grateful that as we give back to you, we can do so with confidence that you will always provide and you will never let us down. Father, we recognize there are many families and many people in our church community and around the world who are struggling right now. And God, I pray that even as I pray, that anybody who can hear my voice that is feeling that anxiety and that tension, they would just sense your presence, your quiet whisper, that you are in control, and that, Father, that, uh, that we mustn't worry and that we place our anxieties upon you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're more than able for the task to take our anxieties and turn them to good. And so, Father, we pray now that you'd bless the money that comes in, that, God, you would give us wisdom as to how best to use it. And, Lord, we're believing that you are going to do incredible things over the next little while. And we ask all these things in your name, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Now we're going to go over to Courtney for a wonderful kid's story. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. Later we're going to hear from Pastor Joel about John the Baptist. So I'm going to read a story to you about him called Heaven Breaks Through. About the same time Jesus was born, another baby was born. His name was John, and God had a special job for him. John was going to get everyone ready for Jesus. The day John was born, his dad knew God's promise to Abraham was coming true. God was sending the rescuer. And he was so happy he sang a song. It said, Because God loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love, heaven is breaking through. He is sending us a light from heaven to shine on us like the sun, to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So John grew up, and well, to tell you the truth, he was a bit unusual. He lived in the desert. He wore itchy, scratchy outfits made of camel hair. He had a big, big, bushy beard and long, long, scraggly hair. And here is the oddest thing of all. He only ate locusts, which is short for big, creepy, crunchy grasshoppers, which he dipped in honey to disguise the taste, probably. But God sent John to tell his people something important. Stop running away from God and run to him instead, John said. You need to be rescued. I have good news. The rescuer is coming. 
Make your hearts ready for him. Yes, get ready because your king is coming back for you. Great crowds listened to John. They were sorry they had sinned and they wanted to stop running away from God. They wanted to be rescued. So John baptized them, which meant he plunged them in and out of the water. It showed that they wanted to follow God and begin a new life. One day, John was baptizing people in the Jordan River, as usual, when he looked up and saw a man walking down to the river's edge. God spoke quietly to John. This is the one. John's heart leapt. This was the moment he had been waiting for all his life. Look, John said, as Jesus came down into the water. But his voice came out as a whisper. He couldn't make it any louder. The Lamb of God. God's best lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Will you baptize me too? Jesus asked. Who am I, John asked, to baptize you? It's what God wants me to do, Jesus said. So John baptized Jesus. Suddenly, it was as if someone had drawn back curtains in a dark room, as if heaven itself had opened because a beautiful light broke through the clouds and shone down onto Jesus, bathing him in gold. Beads of water glittered and sparkled like tiny diamonds in his hair. A white dove flew down and gently rested on Jesus. And a voice came down from heaven. It was clear and strong and loud, so everyone could hear. This is my own son, and I love him. I am very pleased with him, God said. Listen to him. Heaven had broken through. The great rescue had begun. We're going to hear from, from Pastor Joel in a second. So thank you so much for listening to my story. And I hope that you guys have a great week. Well, hello, everybody. Happy May long weekend. It's so good to be with you again. It's been a long time since I've had the opportunity to speak with all of you, and uh, it's a real privilege. I just love the Word of God. I love this church. It's just absolutely wonderful. Last weekend's live stream was really touching. I mean, it was a long one, but it was wonderful, wasn't it? And at the end of it, that UK blessing, if there's one thing that the church gets to speak over the entire nation, if there's one message that Willow Park Church gets to speak to the city of Kelowna, I think it's that blessing. It is, he is for you. And it just, they kept repeating it. He is for you. He is for you. This is what the world needs to know. So often we get this wrong idea of God, that he is angry, that he is a God that is distant, and he's not. He's for us. I just love Psalm 139, and, and I really believe that this is the central message of the entire Bible, that before the foundations of the earth, that in that secret place, just you and God, that he knits you together. Every stitch is intentional. It's just you and him, that, that he gave you a name that's only your name that you're unique and special and he intended for you to be you and he loves you. The psalmist goes on to say that his works are wonderful, that you are one of those works, that you are wonderfully made. 
Like it, you're wonderful. This is the message of the gospel. This is all of it distilled, that God loves you. He's for you. You're wonderful. And so often we forget that or we don't communicate that very well. Francis Chan had an opportunity to go and preach in Burma to a group that was thousands big and had never heard the gospel before. And he showed up and he had an interpreter and he was wondering, how do I even communicate this gospel to this massive crowd? He saw little kids and he wondered, how in the world am I going to share this gospel? So he just did it. He started preaching. And afterwards, there was this lady that came and she was all bent over. She was crippled. And, and he just decided in that moment that, that probably he should pray for her. You got to understand that Francis Chen, his whole life, has sort of believed that the works of the Spirit and, and the miraculous doesn't happen today. That this was for the New Testament church. But he prayed for her, and she said that she started to feel a burning in her back. And she started to smile. She bolted upright and was completely healed before his eyes. And he was shocked. I mean, he's not used to seeing this kind of thing. This isn't normal for him. And he just invited the audience. He said, if anybody needs prayer, come forward. And thousands came forward. He says that everybody that he prayed for that evening was healed. That it was this remarkable show of God's power. There was this 10-year-old girl and her 7-year-old brother. And they were both deaf and mute. And he prayed first for the girl. And she started to grin And then she started to cry as she started to hear her first sounds of her life. And then they prayed for the brother who also was healed of this. He was so filled with doubt about this one. It just seemed too good to be true. Like, was was she really completely deaf? Was he really deaf? Come on. Does this happen? So the next day, he went back and sent a team to find that little girl and that little boy to see if indeed this was true and if it had stuck. And it was. So beautiful. God is living and he's for us. He loves us. This is who he is. Why did he do this that day in Burma? I just love this scripture. It's Mark 16, 10. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. He confirmed his word with the miraculous. You see, here's the reality is that it's all about his word. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This is who he says that he is. The way. He's the way. We just sang Waymaker. I love that song. At Rush, when we first started to play that song, Chris and the band, actually the same band that just played, started to play that song, and nearly a thousand kids took over. They were yelling it at the top of their lungs, way off tempo. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Like just yelling it. They were just, the band was just laughing, looking at each other, smiling. Eventually they got into the song. But you know what? This is what we're desperate for. We're desperate for that way. And Jesus provides that way, but it's very different, I think, sometimes than what we think it is. Maybe the water has been a little bit polluted. We're going to remind ourselves of the way. And Isaiah prophesied what this way would look like. This is Isaiah 40. This is what he said. A voice of one calling. Remember, this is over 700 years before Jesus. 
In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is a beautiful prophecy. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged place is a plain. This is making a way, a path, a way for the people of God to go. This is what he says. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is so cool. Verse six goes on to explain exactly how this is going to be. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. Verse seven says, the grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. This is amazing. I think we feel that today, don't we? That our society is just so fragile Our systems have proven to be untrustworthy. Like our future, it looked so dependent upon just all of these things that we've always known. The housing market, the banks, the government bailing us out. But all of a sudden we're in this place where we're like, oh my goodness, this world is not so powerful. And there's going to be a voice calling out of this saying this temporary world is, is failing you and it will fail you. Come to something different. Come to something more powerful. He calls them out of this dying world into an all-powerful eternal God. He says, come out and listen to this. This starts in verse 12. This will give you goosebumps when it describes this God who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens. It's one of my favorite verses. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in the balance? Wow. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Verse 14 says, Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him the knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? This God is so powerful. Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they are fine dust. And listen to this. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor is its animals enough for burnt offerings. And then he sums it all up. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. He says the nations are nothing. He's talking about our political, geopolitical sort of powers, our borders, these things that we put all of our care into, the Bank of Canada, you name it. He is saying they are all worthless compared to him. He says they are a drop in the bucket to him. This is so cool. And now a man arrives out in the desert And thousands of Jews go out and meet him. This is John the Baptist. And I think we have a pretty good image of what John the Baptist would look like. This is not really that accurate. John the Baptist took the Nazarite vow. And so what that meant is that he grew out his beard and his hair. He had six enormous dreadlocks that he held in a sack so he wouldn't have a permanent headache. He dressed in camel hair and he ate locusts and honey. 
So you see, this was an intentional affront to the power of the day and the wealth. He's saying, come on out, this is who I am. I have nothing to do with that city that you came from. I don't value what they value. Come out of that and come to the desert. I have something really different. And the Jews came. You might wonder why in the world did they come? This doesn't make much sense because they thought that Elijah had come back. You see, Old Testament prophecy said that Elijah was going to return and prepare the way of the Lord. And so all throughout the Jewish sort of psyche, they thought that this was him. It even looked like the description of Elijah. Elijah, sorry. Jewish people would actually, during the Passover meal, have a chair set aside just for him. This would be Elijah's cup. And so they would be eating there at their Passover meal and they would have it reminding themselves that he's going to come back one day. There's even books today. You can Google search these. There's a lot of them. This book's called The Place for Elijah. And it was just this reminder to them that Elijah is coming back. Where did they get this idea? This is from Malachi. He says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. In other words, Elijah's going to come back. You see, Elijah never died. They knew this. He was walking with Elisha. And this chariot of fire with horses of fire came down and took him up in a whirlwind. Elijah never actually died. And now here's John the Baptist who Malachi was talking about. And Jesus later confirms that something really important is happening here. Really important. This is what he has to say. Jesus says in Luke 1, He says, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord our God. He goes on to say, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He's saying, he's going to make a way for me. It's in the power of Elijah. It's in the spirit of Elijah. But John the Baptist never did a single miracle, not one documented healing. Isn't that interesting? You see, his message was his power. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's saying, be set apart. He's saying, come out of that city. Those nations are like dust. They're garbage. They're worthless. Stop pursuing that. You see, I get so sick of all the political posturing in our world today. And I know you're the same as me. You go onto our social media and there's so much arguing. People are trying so hard to be heard and then other people come and bash the thing that they're saying. People feel unheard by governments. People feel misrepresented. There's so much misinformation The amount of conspiracy theories that are based on nothing is astronomical. And I think we all recognize it and feel frustrated in this moment, don't we? We're all online, but what is the truth? It's so hard to say. It's so hard to distinguish. And we get so confused. And then uh, this John the Baptist says, come out of that. It's an amazing invitation. He is saying, I want you to live for something different. Come out with me. Come out of the city, the posturing, the complaining, the worrying, 
and come and be a part of a different kingdom with me. This is a beautiful invitation. You see, he lived for a radically different kingdom. This is a painting done by famous painter Matthias Grenwald. And on the right here is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is pointing at Jesus. And in his left hand, he's holding the word of God. You see, back then, in this era, when they painted somebody, they wanted to get the essence of who that person was. So to paint somebody, the painter would go and ask every person that knew that person. Everyone that knew them. They would say, tell me about John. And then he would compile his list of who John was. Other people would explain who he was. And then based upon what they said, he would do his painting. And from his perspective, John was this man who both loved the word of God, but then also pointed to Jesus. That was his very essence. This is beautiful. If somebody painted you, what would it look like? What would you be pointing at? If they went and asked everyone that you knew who you are, what would they say? What are you pointing at? If Matthias Grunwald were to go onto your Facebook wall and then draw who you are based upon that, who would you be pointing to? Would you be pointing to the kingdom of God that never shifts, that is eternal? Or would you be pointing to the things that are like grass and the wildflowers that are temporary and soon will be scorched? I think about this a lot about who I am. How would they capture my essence? Who am I pointing to? Brennan Manning, in in his brilliant book, says this. He says, The greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips. In other words, say that I live for that kingdom, that I'm set apart, that that I'm pointing to him. But walk out of the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And I wonder sometimes if this church that is his bride just shared that message that he is for you. And that's what we pointed to. We pointed to the God who's for you. We're for you. He's for you. He loves you. He created you before the foundations of the world. We might disagree on things, but I am going to celebrate you because God loves you. You're his child. He knit you together in the secret place. This is a bit of a challenge for us, admittedly so. You see, Benjamin Franklin believed that God was a watchmaker. This is a term that he used. That he turned the dial and then he let it go. And now we're in charge. This is called Western deism. And and, and many sociologists and theologians believe that this is the most dominant religion in the West. Western deism. That power lies in our systems and in our democracy and in our government and our bank accounts and in our equity. And this is nothing new. This was the Roman system too. 
They had the powerful Roman government, the emperors, the justice system. And so John the Baptist calls the people out of those structures. He says, leave them, come out to the wilderness, be set apart. The symbol of baptism was powerful. It's saying that I am dying to this kingdom and I am publicly in the desert professing that I am a follower of Jesus and I'm in the kingdom of God. It's beautiful. You see, he shows us a better way. John the Baptist provides a way for us to rest, to actually let go of those things and to just have peace. Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to be yoked to Jesus. That's what we're called out to. We're releasing the yoke of this empire and we're picking up the yoke of Jesus. This is the gospel. You see, God is for you and he's eternal. His hand stretches the universe. He holds the water in the palm of his hand. He will never change. Nothing ever catches him off guard. I don't have to fear tomorrow because tomorrow is Jesus. God is already there. He's the good shepherd and he goes before me. He's in front of me and he's in front of you. See, James says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights who doesn't change. He doesn't shift. In him, there's no turning. This is the greatest news in the whole world. We can actually rest. And, and in this world that we find so frustrating sometimes, we get to just say, I'm going to point instead to Jesus. I'm going to point to the fact that he's for everybody. I don't have to point at this kingdom or this empire. I get to point at the one who never changes, that love loves everyone, that it's not conditional. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, if you want to get warm, you must sit near the fire. He says, if you want to be wet, you must get into the water. These things make sense. He says, if you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Everything we long for is found in our Father. He has good gifts for us. He says, get close to me. You're called out people. You're chosen generation. Don't forget that. When we choose to speak life, we're choosing to speak the words of God. When we seek holiness, we're seeking the one who is holy, who's not inviting us into drudgery, but a superior way of life. Let me just pray for us as we close. So Jesus, God, may we be reminded that you are the power, God. God, that the nations are a drop in the bucket compared to you, God. That before you, all the nations are as nothing. That they're worthless, you say. That they are less than nothing, God. That you are the power. Father, I pray that we would have rest as we yoke ourselves in you, God. That, that we just completely trust in you, 
God, you are our future. You have a great plan for us, God. You say in Psalms that every day was marked out for us, God, that nothing catches you by surprise. You're the Alpha and the Omega. Praise be to you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joel. What a word in season for us. As we face the pandemic and travel through this, there will be a dawn. There will be a change. And we have to decide the kind of people we want to be as we step out of this. Out of the dawn, when the light of a new day shines, am I closer to Jesus through this time or am I farther away? Have I allowed God to work in my home so that my home has become a tabernacle, a temple for the Lord? Or have I wandered in my faith? Well, I want to encourage you to push in deeper with Christ and allow him to come close to you. Allow your prayer life to be utterly changed and transformed. But I know there are many needs. And for many of you right now, you can see this number. You would love to pray with somebody in person. And right now there are pastors available, prayer team members available, elders available to pray with you. And what they want to do is if you're struggling, they just want to pray with you and bless you. If you'd like to join an Alpha course, but you really don't know how to, you can talk to them. If you've got needs in your life and you want somebody to talk to and then to pray with you, believing God for a breakthrough, then phone this number now and connect with our church in that way. But of course, Alpha is the way. So if you want to engage in that next step for your faith, then choose to do an Alpha course. Choose to get involved. So watch, as we finish now, this short clip about Alpha. And I know that God will utterly minister to you and use Alpha to change your life. Make that decision now. I grew up in Long Beach, California, and I grew up in a pretty conservative, sheltered Christian home. And over time, I just kind of started resenting my parents for all the things I felt like I couldn't do, even though I think they were probably trying to protect me. I first started acting out just by lying, and lying just really escalated and just kind of got progressively worse and got into deeper and darker things as I got older. Probably around age 25, I realized that it was just going too far. I was losing control. Um, I started coming back to the church because there was a girl that started going that I was interested in, so I was following her. I just got to the point where I needed something more. I needed community, and I told God that I would sign up for the next thing that came up, and it was Alpha. I honestly didn't expect much. The hardest part for me was just showing up the first night. There was just something inside of me that was like, don't go, but I knew I had to. Alpha ended up becoming the place where I could just be me, and um, it was just a place where I could kind of like air out all my questions and all my dirty laundry, and nobody looked at me any differently. 
They became a community of friends. We have the same group every week, and you just start to bond. And I started realizing that the way the people were treating me and the way that I think God looked at me was just love, no matter what I thought, no matter what I said, no matter what I did. And that just changed me. I was a different person from that moment on. And I knew I had purpose.